Well, good evening, and I uh, just want to say Happy thank you for all Happy your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday wishes today. I appreciate them all. It was very nice of you guys. Um, turning 60 is a big thing. I'm not a big birthday guy, but that 60 sounds old. I told Annabelle, I never felt funny about my birthday till today. <laughs> 60 just sounds different. So anyway, all that being said, thank you so much for all your prayers. And uh, well wishes. Oh, seems a little bit more than that. All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3 is where we find ourselves tonight. Nehemiah chapter 3. Thank you. We are making our way through the book of Nehemiah, so chapter 3 is where we are tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we'll pick it up in verse 1. Father, now as we come before you, Lord, we thank you for... Um, your love and your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. And we ask that you would bless this time as we look into your word tonight. It's such a powerful book, Lord, uh, a special book about leading and uh, pers persevering and uh, building and so many things, Lord. We ask that you would just minister to our hearts, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you might remember about Nehemiah. Um, you know, he he was uh, the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, Ajaharius, he's known in history, and he um, asked to go back to uh, Jerusalem specifically to rebuild the wall, and we know that he head back there, remember this is about 12 or so years after Nehemiah got there, and he is got a different heart, uh, you know, uh, Ezra was more of a spiritual reformation, uh, as, we'll, as we found out when we were reading through it. Nehemiah is, uh, the Lord has him on a little different mission to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And so we've been talking about that last time. I'll put the map up here and you can see where he left from, from Susa. Um, and that, that uh, darker line in the bottom there, it is... Um, uh, Nehemiah's routes. Uh, the top one is Ezra's, and the first group that went back, they took a little different route, followed the Euphrates River. You know, following a river, you have fresh water the whole, pretty much the whole way. Nehemiah was probably on horseback, and most everybody was with him was on horseback, or they were soldiers used to marching, so they took a little shorter route, and of course they didn't have animals and women and children and all that kind of stuff with them, uh, and carrying a lot of weight, which would have slowed... Um, uh, Ezra's group down and even Zerubbabel and Joshua on their first ones going back to the land. But um, so again, they took kind of a, a, again, a couple month journey at least uh, to get there. And now that he's there and he surveyed the city and then last time we talked about he was presenting it to the people and the people were, yes, let's do this. And so their heart was, yes, we see, you know, God's hand in Nehemiah's life and yes, we're, we'll support you and we want to build. And so chapter 3, really the whole chapter is nothing but speaking about uh, the rebuilding of the wall and specifically who was part of that rebuilding. That's it. Um, and maybe this may not make sense to you. Uh, why would the Lord dedicate a whole chapter to tell us uh, who was doing the construction and where they were constructing? Um, you know, normally you wouldn't think if you were building something onto the church, you're adding a, you know, a fellowship hall or building this or adding another room or remodeling the bathrooms or, you know, this or that or whatever it might be. You, you would think that's just, uh, you know, kind of a blip, uh, you know, in, in the work of God at that particular location and wouldn't really be considered much. You know, would you talk about the plumbers or the drywallers or the electricians or the guys preparing the soil or the guys making, pouring the concrete or putting the roofing on? I mean, you just typically wouldn't think of that being a big spiritual project. Um, but it's important to our Lord, and that's what we need to see because sometimes we think, well, those are, you know, kind of the trades, and yeah, they do their work, but the real spiritual work is, you know, the guy behind the pulpit, or the guy playing the guitar, or playing the piano, or, um, you know, making a decision about, uh, you know, this or that, supporting missionaries, or, the, or a missionary going out, or, you know, somebody uh, counseling somebody, or discipling somebody, or, you know, 
sharing the gospel in this way. And you would think, you know, the other things are just, yeah, they have to be done, but you wouldn't think of them as an, maybe spiritual or important part. But yet it is to the Father, and that's what we need to see. Even simple building task or construction, He knows and He sees what's going on. So really in His economy, as we serve Him in whatever capacity, in whatever way, in differing things, even though we might not consider it a big deal, He knows and He's watching. And I think that's a great encouragement. You know, even if nobody else knows or sees or what's going on or what you do or simple tasks of, you know, picking up trash, you know, around the outside of a church or helping clean this or taking, fixing this drippy, drippy, leaking faucet or something like that, you know, uh, uh, it's important to the Lord and He, he knows that. Um, and again, this project, it's no one person could, could do this, rebuild these walls. Even a small group uh, couldn't do this work, but together they, they can. And again, um, we'll see how important that is of working together and everybody with different gifts and backgrounds and various you know, places in, in the body of Christ, we would say today, you know, coming together to do this great project. I also think, you know, as we go through this chapter, it's also important that, you know, to remember that we will have to give an account for our faithfulness to our calling, to our ministry, to our gifts we've been given. You know, how are we using them? You know, it, even in small areas, we have to think about that. We think, well, that's not significant. Why should I even put any effort into that? Or maybe that's not that important. Or really, what kind of impact can that be? And we have to leave those decisions up to the Lord. We just need to be faithful in what He's called us to do. And uh, you know, the ministry and the gifts that He's given us. And He's given us all gifts, different gifts. And Well, not all different, but you know, some are similar. But He's given us all gifts. And He's given us all calling. And He's given us all ministry. It, it, it's true with everybody. And just we need to stay faithful to that. And Nehemiah is a great example of that. Okay, so our construction chapter here. Verse 1 says, now again, some of these names are difficult to read, so I'll kind of mumble through some of them because there's a lot of names in this chapter. So give me a break on that if you would. So Elishabab, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of 100 and consecrated it, then as far as the tower of Hananel. So the first group, Named in this construction project are the high priests and the other priests, and we see what they built. Now, most of, uh, of the, the building revolves around not just the wall, but it also calls out the gates that they're building. Now, the gates were uh, a great place uh, of importance. Uh, because they had to be built in a way that they would let, in this case, sheep out, and probably this was the sheep and the animals taken in for sacrifices to the temple itself, so the sheep gate uh, was that. And so usually, as we've read throughout the Old Testament, and uh, you know, a lot of things happened at the city gate. It was a place of commerce, but also a place of of uh, a government work at times. So you know, it wasn't just a, a gate in a wall. As a matter of fact, um, let's, I'll give you some ideas so as we go through this you have some sense. So now all the darker colors there are kind of the gates and you can see um, all the gates named here. Um, and th this is, uh, again, the time of Jeremiah. So, uh, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, the time of Nehemiah. And you can see a little bit of the darker colors and then the gates going around the outside. This is um, a, a better picture of it, I think. Uh, and it starts, if you see where the word temple is, and you look to the upper left, you'll see the sheep gate. And Elisha Bed and the priest build that first sheep gate. And what we'll do is it'll name them going counterclockwise according to this, um, this chart that we have. And each one of those names is... Um, uh, uh, the people that are building that wall or those gates. And so it gives you some overall sense of the whole chapter there, starting in that upper left-hand corner and then going counterclockwise all the way around. 
This is a model somebody built. I thought it's a pretty good representation to give you even some sense of the wall and maybe what Jerusalem looked like at that time. So all those square things um, in, the, in, the, in the wall itself would be the gates. So again, you know, it's a place to be fortified. Uh, again, usually there was a place of, you know, a lot of commerce going through there and it would even house a lot of times soldiers. That would be their... Um, you know, that would be deployed along the wall in, 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 in a time of war. And so that would give them a place to store their munition. Well, I guess not munitions in those days, but spear swords, you know, bows and arrows and all those kind of things that they would have. So those gates were pretty important. And here's a little bit of a, you know, a couple pictures of it kind of expanded a little bit, looking on the north side going south. Uh, some of the gates that were there, and you can see some of them are a few stories high, so they would be pretty significant. And again, the sheep gate would be right there. You can see it. It's named on the left-hand side of the picture on the right. So that's where, you know, again, the animals would come in and probably they'd be staged, particularly during, you know, festivals and so forth to, you know, have them come in to offer the sacrifices. And so they would come in through that area. And this is, uh, and I showed this last time, but this is the excavation that's going on in Israel today, current. Uh, it's a little dated. This thing's probably five, six years old now, maybe a little bit more than that. But these are excavations of what the city looked like during Nehemiah's time. Um, and you can see, again, they had to dig down pretty far because a lot of building on top of this. But it gives you some sense of, of kind of the you know, what the city looked like a little bit, at least a piece of it during the time of Nehemiah. And this is even more interesting because this is actually part of the wall that Nehemiah and the people would build. They, they uncovered this section of it that was still in place. Um, and this is what it looks like. Here's, here's another picture of it. That gives you some sense of scale. And I have one more that has a little sense of scale. But um, this is, uh, man, I forgot where I took this, I'm trying to remember the wall where it's near, and I thought I had it off the top of my head, but I don't remember right now. But again, here's part of the wall. So when they're rebuilding the wall, this gives you some sense of what some of the wall looked like. Now, not all of it was on this slope like this, depending on the terrain of where the wall was, but it does give you some idea of what they were building and how they were building. And here's another picture of it, and you can see this gal kind of up on the top to give you some sense of how wide it is and how tall it is in certain sections. Now remember Jerusalem's kind of built up, uh, up, you know, there's two kind of ravines going, you know, this way and, and then it goes to the north where it's kind of flat and so some of it, they're, you know, it's pretty steep for defense um, and the walls, again, have to be to the contour of what the surrounding geography is. But anyway, I just wanted to give you that kind of a sense of of what the wall looked like when they were completed. And so, um, again, I think that was a, a, a great thing. So here's, a, again, another little picture of it. Um, and the, the lighter color uh, is where the wall is kind of currently. Uh, if you were to go there today, it's, it's a different footprint in some of the areas. And then finally, here's a, probably the best picture of uh, the darker color. Um, I don't know what color is that? Brown. Brown, uh, brown uh, is where Nehemiah's wall was, and white is where the present day wall is, if you were to go there today. Uh, again, you know, the walls were taken. Ottoman Empire really built a lot of the walls in a different area, but the brown ones are what Nehemiah did. And again, you could see all the gates um, laid out there. So, anyway, hopefully that gives you some picture when you, when you see these things, it gives you some idea of what we're thinking about. Okay, back to our text here. So the first workers named were the spiritual leaders. They were intimately involved in the work. And again, I think that's important. I think that's a very important biblical precedent that the leaders should always be servants, not the other way around. I mean, again, we kind of get it backwards. And in some societies, it's really upside down. You know, the spiritual leaders are held up in such, you know, high esteem that, you know, and, and I understand that, and I think there certainly should be respect and, you know, an appreciation and, you know, without trying to sound self-serving at all, but, 
you know, there, there should be that there in a certain sense. But the other is, you know, it gets to people and, and we're all human. And, you know, you start thinking, people thinking you're something great, pretty soon you start believing your own press. And it's not good in the church, certainly. We can see how it wrecks people's lives in the world, uh, you know, famous movie people and TV actors and actresses and musicians or business leaders or, you know, uh, in this case, social media stars, you know, their lives, you know, people are going to their house and want their autographs and sending them this and that and all kinds of stuff. And then pretty soon they think they're something better than everybody else. And, um, you know, it's easy to fall into that trap. Well, it just shouldn't be in the church, you know, having the pastor's name up in bright lights, you know, on the sign. I just, it always kind of makes me cringe a little bit when I see stuff like that. I mean, I get it and understand it that some denominations want to put that up. But again, scripture's pretty clear. Jesus, of course, set the perfect example, naturally, of, of you know, being great in the kingdom is he who is least, he who serves the most. And again, that's what this is telling us right here. I get another show of that. Um, they uh, they were willing, not like, okay, well, we're the priests, we're this and that, and, you know, you guys do the work, and we'll be here praying for you or whatever. Uh, no, they were putting, um, they were involved in the work just as much as anybody. And I, I like it. It says here that they, you know, consecrated and hung its doors, and then they built another tower of the hundred and consecrated it. The idea is the city gates were made special. That's what consecrated means, special to God. Uh, they were consecrated. In other words, we're making this gate special to God. Um, again, that might sound kind of weird because you don't think of maybe the church door, we'd say today, as something special. It's just the door we go in and out of. Uh, not a big deal. It's just, you know, how we get in and out of the building. But in a sense, what these people were saying was, you know what, Lord, this, everything is set apart for your use. It's, things should be consecrated, including, including the walls and the gates of the city. You know, they're, you know, my life and what we do is, is, is I want things to be con consecrated, just set apart for you, special to you. And even if something as innocuous as a, you know, a gate or a wall, you know, the priests were leading kind of by example saying, you know, we're, you know, Lord, this, we're dedicating it to you. We're, we're not doing this for me. It's not all about me. It's not making the city great for us to, you know, to move up in the world or gain some special preference or safety or whatever it might be. No, it's, Lord, we're doing this unto you. And everything was set apart. And we want you to know, I know this is special to you as well. I, I like this quote. Um, that he said, Because the first of the work was specially set apart to God, it was a way for them to say, All of it belongs to you, Lord. This is a special work done unto you. And I like that because they're setting the example saying, Lord, we're doing this unto you. We're serving you. Our heart is to, bl to bless your people and to be faithful to the calling you have to rebuild this. And that was really setting the example of that. And I like this. It belongs to you. And, you know, we should have that even in simple things. Lord, I, 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 you know what? I, I dedicate this car to you. Lord, use it to bring me to do this. And, yeah, it's going to take you to the grocery store and it's going to take you to you know, to school or to work or to wherever, you know, to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee or whatever it is. But, you know, it's, but Lord, I, I want to set this up. I want you to use this or whatever it might be. My, you know, I, I don't feel like I can do much, but, uh, you know, maybe you can bake cookies. Annabelle, just make me my favorite um, chocolate chip oatmeal. And so maybe you're good at baking cookies. You know, Lord, I want to dedicate this oven to you. You know, there, there's got to be people down and out here that are going through a lot. And man, baking a couple dozen cookies, you know, uh, is what I can do or whatever it is. You know, I can, I can, you know, swing a hammer and build, you know, Lord, didn't I dedicate this Makita, you know, whatever it is, tool or, you know, this, this spreadsheet or this bank thing or whatever it is, right, to you. And I, I think that's a great example. We want to 
consecrate and do that in our lives as well. And it just encourages us spiritually to put the focus on where it should be, which is Him. And that's what our life's all about. Yes, I have to go to work. Yes, I have to go to school. Yes, I have to, you know, cut the grass. Yes, I have to clean the kitchen. Yes, I have to do laundry. Yes, I have to get a haircut. You know, yes, I have to this and that and whatever. But, you know, I want you to use me in all those things that you have me to do. And again, we can see that here in, in, in the construction as well. Well, let's move on. That was entirely too long for one verse. Verse 2 says, Next to Elisha bed were the, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, uh, Zachar, the son of Emri, uh, built. Also the sons of Hasenath built the fish gate, and they laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berakai, the son of Meshizebal, made repairs. And next to them, uh, Zadok, the son of Baana, made repairs. Now, again, um, you, you, the next thing, the next group here, and I'll put our you know, little chart back on here, were the people who did not live in Jerusalem. These guys from Jericho were working on this part of the wall. I like that, because remember, Jericho was to the east, uh, and it was uh, you know, a good hike from Jerusalem, and they could have had the attitude like, well, you know, it's not our city, we don't really live there, you know, it's, uh, we live over here, you know, let the guys that live closer to that do that, or this in some way, but they didn't. They realized the importance of what God was doing, and it was part of the place where, where they went to worship, and, uh, you know, we want to be involved. We, we can't have that attitude, which sometimes people will, will get at church. You know, well, this doesn't directly impact me. It doesn't really benefit me in any way. I can't see really any benefit for me or impacting me. So I'm not really going to get involved in this. Um, let's say, you know, they're teaching some Sunday school or church children's group uh, and or they're rebuilding, let's say, some of the children's ministry or the youth ministry, and, and here you are single and you don't have any children, and so you might think to yourself, well, what, why do I want to get involved in, in you know, helping to redecorate or rebuild or teach over there? You know, it's not really benefiting me. I don't have any children there. I don't see my, having any children anytime soon, or, you know, I don't see how it's going to benefit me or, you know, you, you know, you're married and you have children and they're really doing something with the singles group or something, let's say. And, oh, that's how does it impact me? It doesn't really benefit me. Why do I want to get involved? You know, that's the attitude that we can have. And I like these guys because they didn't have that attitude. You know, they had the attitude of, Lord, I want to be a part of wherever you're working, however you're working. And I think it's a great attitude for us to have as well. Lord, where are you working? I want to be involved in it. It's not about me and what I get out of it or how it can benefit me or how it can impact me directly or something like that. No, uh, you know, this is where you're moving and working right now and I, I just want to be behind it. Because too many people could be like the people of Jericho and think, well, it's not really all, you know, I don't really get much out of it, so why should I you know, give to this program or help in this area or serve over there, you know. We, we can't have that. We just want to move where the Lord's calling us to move. And these people from Jericho certainly were doing that, uh, building them up and, and doing those things. And then uh, verse 5 says, Next to them were the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. So this next group of Tekoites, and again, you can kind of follow the map and you can see them down there at the bottom. You know, they were making repairs. And the next comment the Lord has, again, this chapter is very rich um, on, on so much, I think. There, you know, you could spend quite a bit of time teaching through this. But next is our little note on those who have attitude, we would say today, right? Here it is, these guys from Tekoa, and again, that was kind of uh, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. That's where the, the, um, uh, the prophet, um, boy, 60, I'm forgetting his name, was from Tekoa. Um, 
Hosea. Was it Hosea? Anyway, but it was outside of Jerusalem there, and, and these guys were ready to go, right? Okay, we're going to help out too. But again, it reveals that they're, the, the, the attitude of their leaders, they, they didn't help at all. Um, they, they, you know, oh, you guys want to work? You know, okay, you know, you guys do your thing, but, you know, construction and working and moving rocks and hammers, nails, you know, they weren't obviously using that, but you get the idea. It's just, you know, we're, we're kind of above that. That's kind of manual labor, and we're kind of up over here. We're, we're the leaders, and we'll, you know, be happy to, you know, to look at you, but that's about it. Um, they didn't help, and, and the Lord takes notice of that. They didn't help at all. These people should have been the example by, by leading it and being out there and leading by example, but they weren't. They weren't doing that. And the Lord, again, notes that. But it's a great, important thing for us. Parents, husbands, wives, uh, employees, employers. Again, we need to be a, a good example to our families in uh, leading and how we do things, you know, even if somebody isn't. I, I like that. They, um, you know, the, the, these guys from Tekoa realize that their leaders aren't doing anything, and they could have the attitude, man, this is pretty discouraging, you know. They're not doing anything, and they think they're too good for the work, and we really don't live in Jerusalem. We're from down over here a little bit, even though it wasn't too far away. But, you know, uh, you know, they're not going to do it. Why, why should we do it? I, I like that, that they didn't get discouraged by their lack of help and good attitude that their leaders, uh, or bad attitude that their leaders had. They said, you know, well, this is the Lord's work, and even though they're not setting a good example, and they're not really doing what they should, I'm not going to let that get in the way. I am going to do what's right. And again, uh, we need to learn that. If, you know, if somebody, our, our, you know, our company or our boss or somebody is not doing something right, that doesn't mean that we should just follow along and not do something right. If they're not setting a good example, then, then we still just need to do that. That doesn't take that responsibility away from us. And as parents, you know, we, we need to be good examples. And, you know, if we slack off in one way and one does and one does, you know, we still need to the one, you know, that just needs to be a good example. Um, and even if somebody isn't, even if somebody is doing worse like them and being a bad example and setting a bad tone and a bad precedence, we still need to be faithful. We still need to do what's right. We still need to do, need to do what we should. You know, just if somebody in the church says, well, that guy's like a deacon in the church and, you know, they're doing this or they're an elder or they're a pastor or... You know, this person's a lot spiritually older than I am, and they should know better, but they're having this whole thing. We just can't, you know, if we know it's not right, or they don't have the right attitude, or they don't have the right heart, you know, we, we can't just be distracted by that. We just need to do faithful and do faithful what we uh, should be doing and what the Lord's called us to do, uh, even with bad examples. We can't just, you know, uh, follow the bad examples when we know it's wrong. Um, and these guys didn't, and that's a great thing. And and, and again, God's noticing that. He, he notices that they're, you know, they're, if anything, not only that they're not doing what's right, but they could be a, a potential discouragement to those that wanted to work. And he knows that. He, he takes note of that. And it's marked down here for us to learn not to be like that, but to, to lead by example. You know, the old thing is, uh, do as I uh, say, not do as I do. And that should just never be in the Christian's life. You know, do as I do, do as I say. It's just part and parcel. Now, we all find ourselves, you know, being hypocritical at times, certainly, but uh, that should never be our default or go-to, but something that happens, and we want to change that. But, again, being faithful, no matter what anybody else is doing, is what we're called to be. And certainly these guys were doing that, these people. All right, well, the next one, verse 6, Moreover, Jedediah, the son of Peshiah, and Meshulam, the sons of Beshadiah, uh, repaired the old gates, laid its beams, and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them was Melatiah and the Gibeonite, and uh, Jadon the Mer Merononite, 
Meronothite, and the men of Gibeah and Mizpah repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. So the next group of people and these guys in here, they were called to do what we would say is the government buildings. They were kind of rebuilding those part as well. Um, and now remember in those days, it was pretty common to have the houses and buildings built in as part of the wall. And you get the idea. First of all, it would fortify it a little bit more because you you know, you have the wall and then, you know, you have three other sides of a building, you know, again, uh, uh, adding more structural support to the wall. And secondly, you already have one side, you know, and if you got to lay out, you saw all those stones that were in some of those pictures, you know, you already have a quarter of it built if you just kind of build out on it, right? You get the idea. You have one wall and you have to add three more and obviously some sort of roof probably, but, um, you know, you have that as well. So some of these were built in as part of the, the city the city walls as well. And this was one of the government buildings. And, and it's quite possible that's where Nehemiah lived or would live when it's, once it was rebuilt because he would end up being the governor beyond uh, the river as well. He was the governor actually appointed by the Persian, the Persian king. So they're doing some government house, some government buildings there, rebuilding. And then verse 8, next to him was Uziel, uh, the son of Hariah, uh, one of the goldsmiths made repairs. And next to him was Hananiah, was, uh, next to him, Hananiah, Hananiah, one of the perfumers made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Now, the next thing we see here, we see the goldsmiths and the perfumers doing the work of rebuilding this wall also. Now, goldsmith and perfumers was a very skilled work. Uh, you know, it, took a, it was a highly skilled position. So that would be a, a highly respected uh, person of the workforce, we'd say today. And I don't know whoever you consider that a highly you know, respected person of the workforce, let's say in the place where you work or something like that, um, you know, they, they, they would be up there near the top. And yet these guys um, didn't worry about getting their hands dirty, um, didn't worry about, you know, well, this is the work that I do. I really don't do this. I'm into the very fine and delicate and you know, precise work here, um, you know, it might be of a stretch, but you can think of the perfumers kind of as a scientist. I take all these, uh, you know, uh, herbs and spices and I make these, you know, precise smells and for incense burning and this and that and whatever, you know, and and the goldsmiths, you know, the, you know, high-end, you know, kind of a worker here. And they didn't say, well, you know, that's really my skill. That's, that's where I'm really good at. Um, you know, this is not what I do. I, I don't build walls. I don't lay stone. I don't clear away rubble so that we can build and lay foundation. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of beneath me and it's not the skills that I have. They didn't have that attitude. You know, some people, you know, I've heard in church before, you know, uh, you, know uh, you know, we need some help over in the children's ministry. And the first thing they'll say, well, I don't change diapers. Well, why don't you change diapers? Does anybody like changing diapers? No, nobody likes changing diapers. Or they'll say, you know, I don't do this. Now, obviously, we don't want anybody changing diapers. Don't misunderstand me. But the ideas and what people have conveyed in the past that I've heard over the years at church, I'm just using that as an example. You know, I, you know, I just don't do that. You know, I don't get involved in children's ministry. I don't teach middle school. I, I, I don't sweep, you know. Um, you know, you need somebody to teach a Bible study? Well, I'll be right there. You know, I can tell you, I can tear it up one side and down the other. That's what I want to do, you know. Or, you know, well, you know, the bathrooms need to be cleaned between services or after services or this or that. Oh, I don't clean bathrooms. But, you know, if you need somebody on the worship team, I'm your person, you know. I, you know, I, I want to do that kind of thing. But those other stuff, No. See, they didn't have that attitude, but a lot of people, you know, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm good at, this is what I feel like I'm best at, but okay, that's great, and it's good, and 
I'm not arguing that the Lord didn't gift you with that and give you that. Yes, you probably are very good at that. And, you know, even honor the Lord in that work. But this is the work that needs to be done right now. Are you willing to do that? And it's funny how many people will say, no, I, I just don't do that. And I kind of shake my head thinking, you know, so is there a list of things I should know about that you just won't do? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't think people hear themselves sometimes. I, I just won't do that. Um, yeah, you need somebody to replace the pastor? No problem, I'll step up. Somebody needs to make financial decisions? Well, I can do that. I'm your person, but... You know, teaching a, a room full of three-year-olds or, you know, helping out with the middle school crazy kids or, you know, sweeping or doing or painting or doing this. No, 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 I don't do that. Well, that's not something we should ever have that attitude. And if you find yourself saying that or thinking that at least, then, man, it's just it's a good check. You know what? I, Lord, I don't want to limit you in anything you want me to do. And uh, nothing's beneath me. You washed the disciples' feet, which was a nasty, dirty job because people didn't have closed-toed shoes. There was no pavement. Your feet were filthy, dirty, and sweaty and picked up everything else. And to wash somebody's feet was, you know, changing a dirty diaper kind of a thing. And Jesus was willing to do that. Is there some limit we need to put on our serving the Lord in whatever capacity He chooses to use us, even for... The short period of time? Well, we shouldn't. As a matter of fact, I like this quote. And it says this, The most important ability in the work of the Lord is availability. The one with few gifts, with little talent, who has a passion and a drive to see God's work done will accomplish far more than a gifted and a talented person who doesn't have... Uh, who doesn't have uh, the passion, I should say the passion, and the drive to do the Lord's work. And that's just so true. Just being available and the passion to just, I want to serve you, Lord, in whatever you see, and that person will be used far greater than the person who has gifts and talents and abilities, but will only use, you know, in this narrow band, and, you know, the rest of them I just don't do. Never be used in, in a great and powerful way by the Lord over the long run, certainly. And I like these guys because they were willing to do it. Well, next night, next to them was Raph and Aya, the son of Hur, leader of the half-district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And again, here's another leader who didn't have the attitude of, I'm a leader, uh, you know, uh, I lead, I don't build. Um, you know, this guy was probably powerful and influential in a lot of ways. He could have hired people to do the work. No, I hire people to do that kind of work. No, he rolls up his sleeves and he gets involved along with the rest of them. Another great example. In verse 10, next to Jedediah was the son of Harumapha, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah made repairs. Oh, okay, um, you know, if you're thinking, okay, I get it, uh, but I don't know where to begin, uh, where to serve you, Lord, you know, uh, you know, this is for you, but what do I do? Well, you know, I like this in verse 10, 10 because they did the work right at home. And again, some of these houses were connected right to the walls, and these guys did the work there. Well, well, I don't know what to do. What I do? Start at home. I, I don't know, Lord, how you want me to leave. Start at home. Read the Bible to your family. Read the Bible yourself. Read the Bible to your dog if there's nobody else there. You know, start at home. It's an important place. If a person can't minister at home to those right in front of them, they'll never really be effectively used. And so that's exactly what happened here. It started at home and being used there. And I can't tell you how important I think that is you know we 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 have to you know serve and work and start it has to start at home and then the Lord will use us in, in different places as well and if you don't know where to start at home is the best place to start 
and you do what you can do. Not everybody, you can't pull everybody by the ear and, and you know, force this and that. You can't ask your husband or your wife or, you know, some of those things to do all those things, but you can try. You can do the example. You read your Bible out there. You're, you know, you're going to church even if they don't want to and all those other things. You're, 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 you're working at home. That's a great place to do and that's exactly what these guys are doing here. You know, they're at home and it's going to, you know, Right there, you you do the work. In verse eleven, Mal should, uh, <laughs> or something like that, the son of Hiram and Hashbub, the son of Path Moab, repaired another section, as well as the tower of the ovens. And next to him was Shalom, the son of Halosh, the leader of the Hash district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. Now, again, this is pretty cool because, uh, you know, uh, these guys are, um, you know, working and these guys are doing the building and they get the whole family involved. I like that. This guy grabs his, you know, hey, we're, we're building this. And yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a leader and all this stuff, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to be out there with everybody else. And I, kids, I want you to come along. Everybody getting involved in this. Everybody do this and everybody come along. And I always thought that was a great thing, you know, particularly at church. You know, you, you bring your children. Hey, you know, come help me. I got to mow the lawn at church. I got to, you know, do some painting. I have to do this or that or whatever. Come along and hang out with me. Be a part of all this. You know, we're working here. I need to prepare, um, you know, some lessons for the children's ministry. Hey, why don't you help me, you know, get some crafts going and, or whatever it might be. You know, it's just great to get them involved in everything. And that's exactly what's going on here. Let them help out. Let them be a part. You know, there's many ways uh, to be involved and getting those that you love and those that are around you. And if you don't have children, then grab a uh, you know somebody else's uh, some teenager even somebody younger than that hey come on i'm going to church to do this or hey i'm going to pass out tracks over you know at this place or whatever i know you know brother market church wants to he likes passing out tracks and invite ethan hey let's go out and pass out tracks great grab somebody you know somebody younger somebody that you can influence that you can encourage grab them and and Show them. Serve alongside them. Um, again, it's just great to be a part of that. Our whole family's involved. And, and, and again, if your family's not available, you don't have a family or whatever, they're older or this, that, or whatever, just there's plenty of people, plenty of young people that you can get involved and have them serve and, and be alongside you and disciple and encourage them. And certainly that's what they're doing here. And it was a you know, great impact. We'll see all this impact in the end here. Well, let's continue on. Verse 13, uh, And Hanan, the, the inhabitants of Zoah, repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired a thousand cupids of the wall as far as the refuge gate. And Elijah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of beth repaired the refuge gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Shalom, the son of Kalhozah, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bar, bolts and bars, and repaired the wall from the pool of Shelah to the king's garden as far as the stairs going down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, the leader of the Hastip district of Beth-zur, made repairs as far as the palace in front of the tombs of David to the man-made pool, and as far as the house of the mighty. So now we're getting about halfway um, around the city at this point. So we're about halfway around the city. And I want to take one second to point something out here. Um, and Because some of you might have, you know, most people that have been at church have been through some studies of Nehemiah because it's a very popular book to to, to go through for many reasons, as we can see, a lot of great lessons there. But, um, you know, a lot of the teachers will go through, not a lot. There are a few teachers, I should say, and, and good Bible teachers that will speak of these gates and will talk to them, talk about, you know, how they're a type or an allegory of, you know, something that's a biblical principle or something like that. Um, 
I, I didn't, uh, and I'm not going to teach that because I kind of have a hard time with that. Um, maybe I'm not spiritual enough to see all that. I'm not sure whatever the case is. But, you know, I, I, I think there's so much here to, to try to weave in types. You know, the sheep gate means this and the fish gate means this and this gate means that. And it's a type of this or it's an allegory of this. Um, you know, I, I think you always kind of have to be careful of using types or allegories in the Bible, which the Bible does. They, they, it's certainly done in the Bible. But to a certain extent, you know, types or, or, or allegories lie in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> you don't always have, you know, now again, the people that I like and read and study, they, they all have very sound biblical types to these things. But I, I just wanted to point that out. I... It's kind of like this. If, if, I'm, if I've lost you on this, most of us know the C.S. Lewis uh, Chronicles of Narnia, right? Okay, and so we all know that there's, that's full of types or allegories, right? So Aslan is a type of, in Chronicles of Narnia, and he, he's a type of what? He's the lion? Exactly. He's the type of Christ, right? So it's an allegory or a type of Jesus Christ written in this story. Uh, he represents Jesus Christ. So, right, that's a type, that's an allegory. And so a lot of people will, not a lot, I, I got to correct myself. There are some, you know, Bible teachers that like to teach these gates have some type to it or allegory. And I just, uh, I point that out because if you do hear that or you do know that, I'm, I'm not the guy to do that. <laughs> I mean, not that there's not types or allegories there, but I just, I, I don't know. I feel it's like a little bit of a stretch, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, um, again, it kind of is the eye of the beholder there. So I'm not really going to talk about that, just so uh, if anybody's wondering, you'll know. Okay, so we kind of halfway around the city. Let's, let's finish this up, verse 17. And after the Levites, under Reham the the son of Benai made repairs. Next to him was Hashabiah, sorry, leader of the Hash district of Keliah, made repairs for his district. And after him, their brethren of Bebaiah, Anyway, you got it. <laughs> the son of Henadad, leader of the other tribe, half of the district of Kelilah, made repairs. Again, um, these are what we'd say religious workers and civil leaders working together. So the Levites were the, you know, the religious leaders, we'd say, and the other guys obviously were in charge of certain parts and districts of, of towns and they're working together. So there was, again, everybody was serving. See the work of the Lord. They're jumping in. Nobody's, well, the ones that aren't jumping in are identified, but everybody else is. Nobody else has a problem with that. And next to him was Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent to the armory and the buttress. Now, you got to like this guy. This guy is the leader of Mizpah. Ezer, he's really going for it. He already repaired one section, and now he's rebuilding another section. You know, I really like that. He was really being used. He was really willing to be used. Hey, I did this section. I did my part. I got it all done. It's all good. Him and I'm sure it was a, a group of people because he was a leader of a city there. Mizpah was a something that you remember from our Old Testament studies where um, you know, the, the tabernacle was when they came into the land and all that. It was an important city. But this guy was a leader of that. His guys and all the people, the gals and everybody that's helping out rebuild, they get that done and where else can we help? I like that. Just willing to be used and say, okay, I got mine done. See you later. Nope, I'm done. What else you got? And he was willing to be used again. And then Verse 20, after him, Barak, the son of Zebi, carefully repaired the other section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishabeb, the high priest. And after him, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishabeb to the end of the house of Elishabeb. So again, you see people doing more and adding more and doing more there. 
And after him, the priests, the men of the plain, made repairs. And after him, uh, Benjamin, I know how to spell, and Hasba made repairs beyond their house. And after Azariah, the son of Maaseiah, the son of uh, Ananiah, made repairs by his house. And after him, Benui, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress, even as far as the corner. And uh, Palal, the son of Uzziah, made repairs opposite the buttress and on the tower, which projects from the upper king, king's upper house that was at the corner of the prison. And after him, Pedadiah, the son of Pariah made repairs. Moreover, the Nethanim who dwelt in Ophel made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate towards the east and on the projecting tower. And after them, the Tekoites made repairs to another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. So again, we can see there, there's more people working, including other groups who are doing other sections as well. So these Tekoites... Um, even though their leaders, remember, were the guys that said, now nah, we're not going to do it. You know, that's not the kind of work we do. We're not going to be doing this building or anything like that. The Tekoites, they jumped in and still doing the work and they finished theirs and they're moving on to another one. You know, they, they didn't allow their, their leaders and their nobles to, you know, keep them from working and serving. They didn't get discouraged by that. No, we're serving the Lord. And yes, they're over us. And yes, we should be following their examples, but you know what? If, if they're not the example that they should be, we're just going to serve anyway. And that's a great idea. And, and again, they just, you know, it was contagious. You know, usually when people are encouraged to do the, 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 the Lord's work, and they, you know, and and they know the Lord's involved, and they know that you know God's calling them, and you know, and you see that person serving the Lord in whatever capacity it is. It can be fixing the sprinklers, it could be teaching, you know, a group of eight-year-olds, or this or that, or whatever it might be—a home Bible study or whatever it is. And when they're just diligently serving and have a heart to serve the Lord, it's contagious. You really spread that around and encourages others. And then you yourself really can't get enough because you know what it's like to serve the Lord and, and do the things the Lord's called you to do. And you start doing it and you're encouraged and other people get there, you know, and then you, it's just a great thing. And we see that happening here. Don't underestimate the impact that just you can have in your service of the Lord, wherever the Lord's called you, whatever you to do, even for a, a, whether it's a short period of time or a medium or a long period of time, being faithful and doing it, don't let anything sidetrack you. And, and staying faithful will encourage many people that you might not know about or hear about this side of, it, of eternity. And certainly these Tekoites were in that group there. And then just a few more verses here. Verse 28, Beyond the horse gate, the priests made repair, each in front of his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Amir, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemei, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. After him, Hanani, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaphath, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Bechariah made repairs in front of his dwelling. Okay, and the work in front of their homes, they would have to look at it every day. And so they would definitely, you know, hey, we're, you know, I, uh, again, I, I'm going to, you know, be seeing this day in and day out. Um, you know, I, I want it to look good. I want to do a good job. I want to do this. And, and uh, I think that's important that we have that same kind of attitude. Uh, about, you know, church. Uh, just think about it, you know, people like to just come and go on uh, Sundays. I got a blinking red light here. I don't know if it's going, but, uh, you, you know, well, we come, we, we, we're here, and then we kind of go, but do we, do we look like, man, I, I, I like how everything's set up. I like that there's coffee and somebody buys donuts and, and you know, it looks clean and painted or this or that. You know, uh, think about it that it represents you. I think that's what church should be. 
you know, you invite someone to church, you want it to look nice, you want it to be clean, you want everything just to be right, and, and all this kind of stuff. And so it, it's important that, you know, even though you may not invite somebody that week or that time or whatever, that you just, you know, I, I, I have a vested interest in this. This is, you know, where I come. This is where I come, you know, week in and week out or a couple times a week or whatever it might be. You know, we have that attitude is that I want it to look good. I want it to be right. This is my home in a sense. And, uh, you know, I, I want things to, to look like that. I mean, we all like that, but, you know, are we willing to put the effort and time and energy and money in, in, into those things? You know, it's just, it's been great. I appreciate those that have been you know, faithful to, to give during this time of COVID because we've been able to really upgrade our, um, our, our whole online presence, which we just hadn't been before. You know, we have uh, everything in place right now. I mean, I go to YouTube and I watch the, the, the services or Facebook and man, they're clear. They, the pictures are good. The sound, we have technical problems, trust me, every once in a while. But, but it's not because the lack of, a, a, of equipment, there's just some glitches and working out. But when you look at it, I was just looking at Sunday service on YouTube. It, um, I just got this new um, monitor um, and it, you know, it does higher resolution. I'm looking at it and I go, man, you can see every little wrinkle and spot. I know I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you can just see the details. It's just great. You know, it's just... It's just great. It's taking ownership, you know. Um, it's like, hey, we, we still want to be faithful, and yeah, let's, you know, let's invest in this and get, you know, stuff that's good. It'll be a blessing to everybody. That's it's having a vested interest. It's, you know, it's sad. It's as rare as it is, but you know, for those that are, you, you understand that. You see the value in it, and these guys did too. It was their place, if you would. And finally, after Malachi, Malcha, uh, you got this name, one of the goldsmiths made repair as far as the house of the Nephilim and of the merchants in front of the Mephkad gate, as far as the upper room at the corner, and between the upper room at the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. And again, we're back all the way around now to the sheep gate here, and again, Again, now we have more goldsmiths, and now we have the businessmen, the merchants, you know, being involved in the repairs as well, just as we've talked about. And again, why devote a whole chapter to just a construction project? Well, I just can imagine, you know, the smile on God's face when he looked down from heaven, you know, put it in those terms, and saw, you know, the people of God working together in one accord with one heart and one mind, and they were, you know, hey, let's build this, and Lord, we see your hand in this, and we see your calling, and we're not squabbling about, I don't do this, and I do this, and I don't do that, you know, there wasn't that, there was a little bit of that, but for the most part, you know, everybody was willing to do that. And working in unison, working together, because, you know, they weren't just building sections and then moving around, moving around, moving around, moving around. You know, they, Nehemiah had them spread out everywhere. So this wall was going up everywhere at one time, or almost everywhere at one time, and going up. So they were all working together, and there's this great unison, and this great one accord, and serving uh, together. And the Lord does that. He puts us in situations at times where we must work together. We learn how to lead. We learn how to follow. We learn how to work together with one heart and one mind. And that always pleases our Heavenly Father. It really does. Just as we talked about Sunday when we were going through 1 Corinthians. It just pleases Him. It pleases in the service and the working together and having the heart and encouraging one another. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this chapter uh, of construction, Lord, and just being faithful uh, in the building and in the simple things. And Lord, that's where you always start with all of us, just being faithful in the simple and small things and being willing to do whatever you called us to do whenever you called us to do it, that we just don't, you know, hang a sign, so to speak, in our lives where it says, you know, be back in 20 minutes or, you know, open tomorrow at one and we just don't hang a sign to you saying, well, you can't really use me right now and I don't really want to go over there at this time and maybe next week I'll, I'll 
you know, carve out some time for you to do that. Or, you know, I'll, I'll give Lord as you call me to when it's convenient, you know, when my tax return comes in and we got a little extra, then I'll be able to fork out a little bit more. Or I'll be able to, you know, help out over here when I, you know, work isn't so busy or whatever, Lord. We just, may we not have that, that attitude. We just willing and having that heart of available to you and to serve you however you choose for us to serve you whenever you choose lord and and just being available i know it just warms your heart lord that's just what you desire for for your people lord and it's and it's those people that get used in great ways in your kingdom lord always has been always will be and so help us to have that heart lord and if we've fallen off a little bit or gotten behind or put up the sign, be back later a little too often, Father. May we, may we just change our hearts now, Lord. May we turn back to you, Lord, and, and be willing uh, and not think of ourselves as above anything, Father. And help us just to be servants. For we know that pleases you. So lead us to that, Father, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.